Weirdo Bookworms, unite. We want to share our love of genre fiction with you. Some readers out there may look down on you for your love of horror, sci-fi, and fantasy, but not us. So stop by as we discuss what we've been reading. Hi, Genre Junkies. Welcome back to another episode. This is Sandra. And this is Scott. And on today's episode, we're going to be discussing Severance by Ling Ma. Funny story about this book. We picked this up just on a whim at an independent bookstore in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were like, oh, this sounds good. This sounds like something we could do on the show. And then, you know, like sometimes when something comes on your radar, then you see it everywhere. This book is like, a really big deal. (laughs) It's made it onto a lot of lists. It's had big write-ups, big reviews, and it's actually the 2018 Kirkus winner. So it's it's a big deal. And so it's like, hey, look at us Johnny come lately to this party. But I'm glad that we're finally getting to it, and I can't wait to talk about it. Samesies. So I guess we should just kind of talk about what's been going on lately. Um, I haven't been absorbing a whole lot of genre stuff. I mean, I'm, you know, still listening to podcasts, uh, catching up a little bit on my horror movie viewing. We're still chugging through Sabrina. But I've actually been on a little bit more of a true crime kick, which is pretty normal for me. I kind of always am. But we started to watch the Jeffrey Dahmer files or tapes or what what have you on the Netflix. Which is fascinating. Oh my god, it's so good. Very intense. And we just started to watch Abducted in Plain Sight, too. That is absolutely insane. Yeah, and really excited for both of those. You know, we're just kind of in this weird holding pattern right now. You know, we don't, I don't want to sound like those snobby people. It's like, oh, we don't watch a lot of TV. But we don't, because we read a lot of books. <laughs> and so, like, when we get to catch up on our genre TV shows and movies, it's very exciting for us. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of the same thing with books where you'll sometimes get into this this mode where you're just devouring books left and right. That happens to us with TV. Um yeah, so aside from that, I guess anything from you, Scott? No, I've actually gone into a little bit of a reading slump recently. I got really ahead on the show. I got a lot of books read and I I've kind of just kind of mm. kind of gotten, you know, buried by day-to-day work and just just hit a little bit of a slump. So, I'm going through some some possibilities as f- to uh rebuild my TBR list and get some things slotted in there and kind of reset myself. Oh, can I say so- sort of a housekeeping note is, you know, if you're a podcast and we're a podcast, podcast and you want to add swap like we do that we're down so just saying don't be shy we also have some other news but we're going to get to that just a little bit but first just to make sure you want to stay tuned for the episode and i know you do let me tell you the synopsis of severance by ling ma is it the end of the world or just another day at the office candace chen newly minted new yorker First-generation American, recent orphan, millennial worker bee, loves going to work. She likes the routine and the anonymity of the city. She likes coordinating the production of specialty Bibles, having a project to complete, an object to create, troubles to shoot. Sometimes she likes watching movies in her boyfriend's basement apartment. Lather, rinse, repeat. So Candace barely notices when Shen fever sweeps New York. Families flee, companies cease operation, the subway squeak to a halt. Persuaded by a big payout to be a one-person skeleton crew at the office, She spends her free time photographing the abandoned city as an anonymous blogger, NY Ghost. Eventually, though, Candace will have to escape from Manhattan, enter a group of survivors led by a power-hungry IT specialist named Bob. 
They're traveling to a place called The Facility, where Bob promises they will have everything they need to start society anew. But Candace is guarding a secret that Bob will certainly exploit. Will her rescuers become her captors? So on its face, it sounds like a a twist on a post-apocalyptic you know, jaunt. And it is. It is. But it's definitely, it's even more of a twist than you might expect. It's really a lot of its own thing. It's very unique. Yeah. yeah. So before we go into our experience scores on the book, uh, I wanted to quickly touch on the fact that we now have a Patreon. Yay! Uh, thank you to our very first patrons, Bryce Clarity, Jessica Connolly, and John Grills. To find out more about how you can become a patron to our show, go to patreon.com forward slash genre junkies. Yay! It's been a long time coming, and we've got some really fun tiers there if you're uh, if you're interested. So check yeah, it out. We had way too much fun coming up with the tiers. Again, if you want to, if you can, if you have the means, super sweet if you want to support us. All the money goes back into the show, not at all into our cocaine habits or anything like that. <laughs> uh, just kidding. <laughs> Or am I? That, no, that, that, no, really. Yeah. She is just kidding. That's That has its own budget. Yeah. That's its own budget. Um, <laughs> all right. So we want to talk to you guys about severance. Now, I'm going to get started with the experience score. Please go ahead. Uh, but first, I feel like I need to lead into my experience score a little bit. Okay. Severance. Speculative science fiction. It's dark humor. It's satire. It's a coming of age into adulthood story. It's actually a little bit horror. And it's an immigrant story. Contemporary. So that all having been said, this book is a lot of things. And sometimes it's not subtle. Sometimes it's incredibly subtle. Um, I had an incredibly enjoyable experience reading this book. Um, definitely a page turner with like, I'm peeking into obsession. Wow. Hit it. Okay. <laughs> um, so for me, I mean, I agree with everything. It has a lot of stuff going on. And it was an incredibly good read for me. Mm. Um, but I, I really enjoyed it. Specifically, the main protagonist, Candace. Mm -hmm. She is so relatable to yes, me. Yes. And she's really interesting. And just the way that she thinks and she approaches things is just very similar to the way that I approach things. So I just really, I really liked her a lot. Yeah. Yes. I really like the story, the plot, the way that her whole story is written. I um, I, I really enjoyed reading it. I mean, I can see why this book has a lot of hype and has won awards and been nominated for awards and has a lot of prestige around it. Um, and it makes a lot of sense to me. Now, this might be a book that if you're not a millennial, maybe it won't resonate with you as much. You know, I, 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 I don't want to say like, don't read it if you're not, but it may not have quite the same ring to it for you? Yeah, let's go ahead and unpack that right now because I, I've been really struggling with that as well. I think that there's a lot of really great stuff as far as the immigrant story for America in addition to... Incredible. Yeah. Yeah. But it definitely has a very strong millennial ring. Right. And so it's... um This is set just a little bit back in the past, in 2011. So this is kind of all happening when... um Well, very much like Scott and I are like the right age for this. And then, you know, it's like the, after the great recession and Occupy Wall Street is happening um, and it kind of fizzes out <laughs> with the Shen fever happening, but like really relevant stuff to young people people in the workplace and then at the same time you're you're experiencing that and it's also the end of the world like quite literally 
So it's heavy. Like I said, sometimes it's really subtle. And sometimes she's not trying to be subtle. She is, like, blatantly telling you, like, messages and, you know, <sighs> holding a, a mirror up to our society. Yeah, there's a lot of beat you over the head uh, ideas in this. And I'm okay with that. Yeah, because her prose is so smooth and so smart and so elegant and also really funny. It, very funny. And can we talk about her prose, her writing style specifically? Because Please? I started this book on audiobook and, and moved over into the text. Mm -hmm. And I was worried about it because Sandra had mentioned something about it. There are no quotation marks in this entire book. It's very, I mean, there's punctuation, but it's uh, almost kind of stream of consciousness a little bit. Like, you know, when other people are talking, but um, there, there's no quotation marks. Yeah. And I was really worried when I found out about that. I'm like, oh, I don't know if this this could end up being a struggle once I switch over to the to the written word, if you will. And it, it, it actually is brilliantly done. Mm -hmm. It's really easy to follow all of the conversations. And it, oh, yeah. it gives you sort of a sense of detachment. All of her characters have an incredibly unique voice. Um, I mean, especially Candace, our, our heroine. Y you absolutely know her and you relate to her and you really start to love her despite that she's just a person and just trying to make it through. Um, let's see. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that the spoiler section is going to get into. So I'm trying to think of what else I want to keep in this. I, I know front. it's hard because it, it, the, the basic premise of the book is, is right there in the synopsis, but it, it, it explores some, some surprising truths. It's important to talk about it so you kind of know what you're getting into, but right. I don't want to I don't want to unpack it too deeply without going into spoilers because yeah. I was not expecting a lot of this. So, I guess let's talk about it a little bit in relation to zombies. The very popular trope in an end of the world scenario. Yes. So, you know, a lot of us, we're big fans of Romero, especially Dawn of the Dead. You get a lot of those vibes in this. And, you know, a, a, a little bit of Walking Dead and good zombie post-apocalyptic stuff is very much about, like, society and not so much about the creatures we become. Um, I mean, hordes are scary. It even talks a little bit about hordes being like a hive mind that are scary. But on an individual, somebody infected with this Shen fungus is not very scary. Should we say what they do? I, I, mm, I don't know. Maybe we'll keep you waiting or like interested to read the book or if you've read it. I think I think we'll keep you waiting on, on, on exactly what these these zombies are like. Let me just say that I think that this is one of the most inventive yes. ideas and so telling. Don't expect your typical zombie horde. This is not a zombie novel. <laughs> no, they are not zombies. Well, not in the way that we think about them from a Hollywood perspective. But Let me say that. Yes, but it's probably the most realistic of if there were to be a zombie virus, this is actually probably yeah. how it would look. Yeah, very, very interesting. And again, incredibly telling about our society. Um, so a lot of this novel has to do with the fact that Candace is an immigrant. She was born in China. Uh, her parents were born in China. And then she moves here at a young age, which is the same thing with uh, Ling Ma, the author. That is 
really reflective and you get a sense that there's probably a lot of really personal stuff. Uh, safe to say this is an own voices novel. Uh, so great representation, great diversity of an immigrant's coming of age story in the time and place that we are now and how that is a struggle to relate to her family and sometimes the world around her and society. But she's also a big part of society. Society is composed of immigrants. Uh, well, yes. And, and she is, in many ways, a, a exceptional, a typical American. She's not, I mean, and that's not, not, that's not in spite of her being an immigrant. That is in, in celebration of her being an immigrant. It is because she is that she is such a, such a American. Yeah. So it's a very nice, um, capsule kind of photograph in time of what would be happening to an American millennial going through this end of the world scenario. And it all feels so realistic, too. It feels super like, yeah, this could happen. And this is probably the way it would go down. This is one of the more terrifying post-apocalyptic zombie stories I can think of. And it's and, and it's not in a typical way. No. And we also look into some things like her dating life and her social circles and how she's kind of come up and shaped into the person she is, too. That does it have anything to do with the fever? Maybe. You know, our society as a whole. It's um, it's a very introspective novel. So let's talk about our appeal. Um, we kind of already talked we, about it a little bit. We kind of already bit. did. Now, like I said, you might not relate to this as much if you're part of other generations, but I don't, I don't want to say that you won't because maybe you really, really will. And maybe it'll help you have some understanding of a different generation that you're not in. But um, I would say this book is mass appeal. Uh, definitely. I think that there's something to be gleaned out of it. I think even if you're not super attached to the characters, even if you're not like super enthralled in the plot, her writing is absolutely gorgeous and she wants to make you think without coming off with any sort of pretentiousness. There's nothing pretentious or snobby about her super beautiful reflective writing. I agree that this is mass appeal. While I, I while we we voiced a little bit of our concerns about whether or not this could uh, reach out past the millennial generation, at, at the same time, she's really good at describing the situation that 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 just the person that Candace is and the the life experiences she's had. So while I related quite a bit to a lot of the millennial ideas, I myself am not an immigrant to this country, and yet I really I really found myself drawn to her experiences. So I feel like even if you aren't a millennial, this is something that that explains that kind of mindset, that experience, that snapshot in the millennial life. So I, I agree. I think it's mass appeal. Um, so the edition that we have is actually a hardback edition, and it's a first edition. And I really like the design of this book. It's um, really understated. It's millennial pink, yep. first of all. And it's almost as if in a spot here, like 
the cover facade is being torn off and you see kind of a moldy little bit of something, almost like a moldy piece of concrete. And the title itself looks like it is, it, it's actually like raised from the cover and it, it looks like a sticker. It, it's not raised. It's it not? just looks like it's raised. Oh, that's incredible. And it too. looks like one of those white stickers that you would either have, like if you're at like a business conference or something and it's like, my name is this or whatever, or like um on like a file document that you would have, like, you know, one of those just white box labels and then the black kind of bold font. Yeah. Severance. Something you've just printed on a label maker. Ling Ma. And then there's a little kind of half-assed attempt at a stamp that's kind of coming <laughs> off a little bit that says a novel. Again, as if you're stamping through paperwork in an office situation, and it's like, ah, okay, it's not perfectly on there, but it, yeah, it's a novel. It says something for how understated it is. That's what immediately drew us to it in the bookstore. Yeah. Just, wow, that's that's a really interesting cover. And the name of it is also really telling, too. Yes. So, really cleverly designed little book here. Not a whole lot of detail, but just enough to make you be like, what am I getting into here? And this is a silly thing to talk about, but the paper stock is really nice. It has that kind of like slipperiness to it where it it doesn't stick on itself. It's hard to describe. It's just, it's a really well made book. It's got a good feel to it. Yeah. And the cover too has almost a weird little little texture to it. Mm. And we are describing this because obviously if you're listening, you're a book lover. And this is the type of things that book people like to hear. It's kind of, you know, like, ooh, talk to me about it. Tell me about the type How does it feel? How does it smell? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I will say I did listen to part of the audiobook, and it is very good. It is, uh, it's narrated by Nancy Wu, who does a really good job. Uh, I I really enjoyed the part of it that I did listen to. I did read the majority of it on the the physical book as well. But if you're looking at the audiobook, A+. Awesome. All right. So go read Severance if you haven't yet. And if you have, we'll see you in the spoiler section. Enjoying the show? Please like and subscribe on iTunes. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Genre Junkies. And don't forget to visit the website, genrejunkies.com. Welcome back. It's time for spoilers. All right. So now that we've all read the book, let's talk about the infected (laughs) in this book. So what makes it so disturbing is the infected just are on an endless loop of doing menial everyday tasks. They're just creatures of habit. They're They're not even habit. They're creatures of routine. Yes. They're just endlessly setting the dinner table or doing one thing or the other that they've done in their life. I don't know. You can imagine there's people just folding their laundry. There's the lady at the store who's just folding shirts over and over again, which it's like if you've ever worked in retail and folded a lot of shirts, you know that feeling. I love the way that she describes. She's she's clearly very good at her job. <laughs> exactly. Because um, it's, it's the one place that's just like immaculate and clean. Yes, exactly. Um So that is so fascinating. And I mean, I think most people don't need that to be explained to them in pure detail of what that means that in this new world, when you're 
be infected. We're just back to doing the same predictable, mundane, seemingly meaningless tasks that make up a life on repeat. Um, And, you know, that's the way most of us function, like on a day-to-day bent, like Candace. Get up, go to work, you go home. It puts a mirror on our daily experience and, and, and uses Candace's own life as kind of a mirror to that, because... You're right. She is herself a a creature of habit, a, a creature of routine. Yeah. And I mean, I think there's like that feeling is something that I really related to. And not wanting to be trapped in that box is what in my early adult years got me into content creating and writing for websites and, you know, reviewing books and having my own blog and movies and then, you know, contributing on the bloodlust and now we have our own podcast because you are not born to just wake up pay the bills and die you need to have hobbies you need to have outlets and you need to have expression or you will just become this thing at the same time jonathan her boyfriend is kind of presented as the antithesis of the idea he's the right but yeah but a light is clearly shown on jonathan and she calls him out for his you know his gig lifestyle and it's like you're privileged you're lucky. Oh, 100%. I, I did not like Jonathan's uh, worldview. He he is kind of the, he's also kind of the typical view of a millennial. Right. He's what people think of when they think of millennials. Oh, they just don't, they don't want to be part of the system. And it's kind of true. We we do rebel a little bit from the system on our own little ways, but he takes it to an extreme level. And, and the way that- the, And he's so spoiled. Yes. And it's like, you know, like she's, you know, thinking about once, of course, she knows she's pregnant. She's like, like, what wh- what do you want to do? Like about your future? Don't you want to have any sort of solid thing? Don't you want to have a foundation? It's like this living by the seat of your pants lifestyle is not something that almost anybody can actually attain. Because at the end of the day, this is the world that we live in. Yeah. And as she says, money is what drives it. Well, and if you're living in a place, you're an active participant in the community and the culture of it. And you can't just decide you want to be not <laughs> like it's like it, it doesn't it doesn't work that way. And of course, this is all really emotional for her because she is pregnant. And a big theme of this book is is home and his family because Candace has no home. She's not at home in China. She's not fully at home in America, especially now that she's an orphan. And she's kind of made New York City her home. But at the same time, she knows that in this dilapidated world, she can't raise her child there. And so her child is becoming home for her. And she wants to build that life. It's a really interesting theme that really stood out to me in this book. What did you think of the idea, at least that I pulled out of this, that in some respects, the the the, the, the survivors were the ones who were not home yet? Oh, no, definitely. Because, and she speaks to this in the book, Bob, the IT specialist, is like, there is nothing exceptional or special about Bob. He's basically a cult leader who's gotten these people to follow him to the point where they actually have religious ritual and belief system. And it's like, 
she's like, who the F are you like to basically be telling us how to live life and where to live life and how to do it? Like, no, that's not sustainable. That's not nice or a kind way to live to kind of have this man who knows all the rules and you break them, but you were never properly explained the rules. Yeah, who died and made you king? Yeah. I mean, except for everybody in the world, but... Right, but nothing inherently makes him a better leader or somebody to aspire or to follow. No, not at all. And he's a jerk. And I was so happy when she left. You know she's going to leave. Like, the whole time you're like, oh, she's not going to Oh, 100%. Stay yeah, but... um. When, when other people did uh, succumb to the Shen virus of the survivors, it was when they got home. It's when they got to familiar places, places that they considered to be theirs. Uh-huh. Um, Ashley? Yeah. When she got to her parents' house and she just immediately, like a light switch went off and she became one of the, one of the infected. With their dresses. Because she, she was home. And same thing with Bob. Once he got to the mall that he he considered to be his, he started to act as an infected. Exactly. Because he started to go into old routines. Yeah. It was familiar to him. Those little spores are pretty clever. So I, I, I find it I, I find it an interesting uh, an interesting theme that really everyone will succumb as soon as they start getting into routines and they start finding home. That's very true. Or if maybe if you're aware of it, you can still find home, but you can fight it. You know what I mean? That's kind of the nice part about the book being left very open-ended and like, you know, she's still pregnant and she's like on the road and she just got to this new place is because it's like, who knows what other types of people she's going to find? And who knows what that'll mean when she finds a place that she wants to settle? Well, okay, I guess I guess this will just go into my question. Do you think that she's infected at the end? I mean, I think it's one of those things where we're all infected, but if you let yourself become complacent, I get you are happily infected. Well, yes, and I get the impression that it's meant to be ambiguous, but Oh, absolutely. I I feel like the end was was hinting very strongly that she ends up being infected at the end. She just keeps driving into what she realizes is a place where she has a happy memory that she hadn't remembered before. Mm -hmm. She started to immediately think of it as this was this was a happy place. This was a home. This could have been a home. Right. And she just keeps driving and driving until the gas runs out. And then she just gets up and starts walking. Uh Uh-huh basically off into the sunset she just keeps going it reminded me of the taxi driver that she got the taxi from who was just just slowly driving and just keeping on driving mm-hmm. and she pulled him out and he was just like okay fine and just started walking yeah in the direction he was going it reminded me a lot of that yeah i mean i i agree and i interpret it totally as ambiguous that it's like if you're aware of the ha- of the behavior does that mean you can still live life like if you accept the complacency is that when you're stuck in the loop it's a very interesting question yeah, when you're i guess when you're satisfied when you're uh, I no know. i wouldn't even say satisfied yeah. that's why i say complacent yeah complacent's like, the right word you know just kind of like mm, whatever accepting because <sighs> that's not a great place to be be as a human like you should have something that keeps you going and keeps you driving forward like again like finding a hobby (laughs) finding a meaningful hobby or maybe your work does that but i don't think that's totally healthy um 
let's talk about the work aspect of this book a little bit. I want her job. Well, I mean, I don't want. Uh, let me rephrase. Yeah. I think that her her company does a lot of really publishing crummy is cool. things. Yes, but just just the thing. I I really liked the idea of what she was working with and and the 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 challenges. It kind of made me go like, I'm gonna I, I want a job interview for this. Well, no, see, I agree. But at the same time, what about that horrible point in the book where she's trying to tell them people are dying trying to make this product and they don't care. they don't care yeah and she's like where do i fall in this because i need a job and this is unfortunately the way the world and our society works i need a job i'm good at this job but people this is dying. this is literally killing people that and is, and the people that i work for don't care we'll work with work with don't care um we don't know necessarily how her, her bosses at specter feel but the people who contract them. Yes. Yeah. Um, and that is really, really difficult because I feel like in a lot of job places, there's a lot of give and take like that. Like there's an ugly side to your steady, predictable um reliable job there's an uh, there's an ugly underbelly to something else kind of going on under the scenes which is maybe unavoidable in like any workplace but that's why having a middleman like spectra is so important because it can create a a sense of plausible deniability and higher than thou betterness yeah from from these companies who are okay we're going to make this bible yeah but we don't want to know how it gets made. You you take care of that. Yeah, I don't want to know the ugly stuff. Yeah. We're going to pay somebody to deal with the ugly stuff. Right. And what does that mean? Because you need a job. You need a good, steady, reliable job and something you feel confident and good at. So what are the payoffs for having to deal with ugly stuff? So one thing I also loved related to work is when she has her job interview. Um, That's a great, great scene where she's like, I don't know, like it looks like the checks are good. Like, I mean, you know, like what does anybody say? Um, And then when she's been there a couple of years and she decides to put in her notice and she tells him, well, I just feel like I should be doing something bigger, better that I'm passionate about. And he's like, huh, you know, that's not really how life works. Like, you know. Everybody kind of feels that way when they're young, like, oh, I I shouldn't be wasting my time in this menial position. I should be bettering the world or whatever. And it's like, yeah, sometimes your job is just what you do. Yeah, and I'm paraphrasing here, but what he says is kind of the the big light bulb moment for a lot of people in our generation. Yeah. Finding a job that you're good at and you're appreciated for is not the end of the world. Exactly. And it, it speaks volumes to all of this stuff that we're talking about where it's like am i you know am i okay with selling my soul a little bit for this satisfaction and this completion and to have creature comforts and a steady comfortable life and it's like well yeah (laughs) like you know because we can't all be Jonathan, who's going to write the next great American novel as he hops from jobs to job and goes and lives on a yacht. And it's like, you know, that's not feasible. And I, I, I do think that there is a middle ground between the two oh, of them. absolutely. Because it, it, it's, it's shown that the, the stuff that her company is enabling. Yes. Is unhealthy is yeah unhealthy and and a little bit so to say that it's evil show uh kind of suggests a a morality and and an intention but it's certainly immoral yes um 
it's it ignores the fact that that people are are hurting people are you know are are having reduced qualities of life because of this race to the bottom yeah and so i you know i think that it, i think that there is kind of a uh, there's kind of a uh, well there's something that's about corporate greed and about capitalism and like how you don't want to be a part of the machine but you're kind of forced into this box where you have to be you know and i wish a lot of companies had a lot better integrity but it's sometimes these changes are small and they're gradual and you can't just have a career where you talk to plants and make things and like make cute little trinkets and talk to plants and like all your problems are over and your student debt is paid. (laughs) Unfortunately, you do unfortunately have to be a part of the system a little bit. Um, So I also uh, felt very emotional about a lot of her immigrant story and her parents and especially her mother, who's a very complicated figure in this book, where sometimes I was so mad at her for her treatment of Candace. But at the same time, you see her side of things and you see what she's gone through and what she sacrificed and how she's trying to live. And it's just like you you can't be mad at her. You can't hate her. Well, yeah. And, you know, she says, we did this for for your father and for you. And Candace says, well, and you. And she says, no. no. Because she had a good job. Yeah, she had a she was very successful. She was happy. She had a job. She had a family that she loved. She's close to her friends her. and family. Yep. Yeah. And she left everything to for give that. her husband and her daughter a quote unquote better life. Yes. And she was kind of bitter about that, but she ended up accepting it. Well, and she ended up coping and making defense. Well, yeah, that's probably a better way to describe it. Yeah. And, you know, she faces a really tragic way of passing by Alzheimer's. And Candace and she had a complicated relationship in life. And now she had a complicated relationship with her as her mother was dying and now in death, you know, and that's, I think, also a very realistic thing for people to go through that it's like sometimes things don't work out great, like with your parents and your relationship. Relationships. Sometimes they're complicated and messy and they don't go according to plan, but they're the reality. And that's what you deal with. And I don't mean to sound negative about any of this stuff because I'm an idealist and I'm a super positive, optimistic person, even though I love to read anything bleak. Um, and I like, think that's what balances your personality, <laughs> to be honest. Like, I mean, I you know, have dreams, have goals. I'm an incredibly goal-oriented person and I have a job that I'm super happy with and, and that I really like going to. But you must like round yourself out in life to deal with disappointments and shortfallings. You have to like there's not just like one thing that composes a person otherwise you become the zombie folding shirts or (laughs) whatever trying to get your key in the door i don't know driving your taxi like you need to be well-rounded and accepting and like okay so this is what life is giving me and i can't change it i can only change how i react to it right right yeah which is a quote that i love well i I, there's a lot of themes about having kind of a uh, free time having your own your own self included even when you're going through the doldrums i found it interesting that you know after the hurricane and ev- everyone's having a party 
Yeah. Because, hey, we have a day off and we'll probably have tomorrow off, too. And, you know, she goes into this great monologue about how it's even if you don't do those things that you've always meant to during that day, it gives you a day to kind of dream and it's imagine. possibility. Exactly. And that was they, a great monologue. That was a great sequence yeah. in the book. But they have that, and then everyone goes back to work, and yep. that's when Shen Fever blows up. And I, I, I like to think of it in this book, it's not so much that the storm spread Shen Fever, it's that that disappointment, that return to the doldrums, yeah, to the routine, is what sparked it in everyone. Absolutely. I mean, I think stability is good, routine is bad, right? That's, that is the... That is kind of what this book is is putting forward. It's preaching yeah. a little bit, you think? Yep. I also, there's something that I really loved about Candace that when the fever's going on and she agrees to finish out this contract and then get a healthy severance at the end to be the skeleton crew of, the, oh my God, there was something about that, that it's like, even as it's the world is crumbling more and more and it's getting ridiculously difficult, she's still going to work until the point where she's living there. Well, first of all, it's so, it, it, it's so um oblivious <laughs> that she's right. doing that but it's also a stubbornness that i can really get behind <laughs> well and, it, and it's very telling because you know everyone's saying go home be with your family she's like i have no home and i have no family so it's like this is kind of my life yeah so she needs to uh fix that and i think that's why there's a lot of hope and optimism in her being pregnant is because this is a change and this is gonna create some root for her and kind of maybe live up to what her parents wanted her to be and all the good parts of her family life you know so there's like a lot of hope in her being pregnant i also really liked the whole thing about the weird guy she dated the one whose brother owns spectra yes. and like their strange relationship that felt so real and then bleeding into jonathan too yeah all of her relationships just seemed so human and and relatable yeah um i mean i i can't say that i've had the same relationships but right. they just they're just so human they're not glorified they're not demonized they're just they just are what did you think of bob's rituals and his weird pseudo religious ideologies he emplaced on them i thought it was creepy i but, thought i mean it was... i don't think the point of it was just to be creepy though no i Oh, so what do you what do I think the greater meaning was? Yeah. I think that I, I I don't know. I might be projecting onto her, but I think that that she might be saying uh, an organized religion is just as damaging as as a you know a, a a moralist routine. Like kind of how her mom and her family in general, but especially her mom, found a place in their church growing up, and it wasn't even really about the belief in it; it was in the belonging. Right, and and someone telling you this is what we do and when we do it and you're a part of it. Which is the good side of organized religion, where after the fall, after the end, uh, it was, you know, organized religion was more shown in a way of controlling people. So there's tinges of horror in this book, too, which I really appreciate, including some, like, they're kind of funny, but they're kind of gross and graphic horror 
situations like when they get to Ashley's house and the the maggots and dad and bleh. I found this book to be a lot of horror. Oh, uh, it's very horrifying. There, it, honestly, there's a lot of genres that if you said this fits it, this is this genre, I'd say, yeah, yeah okay. Science <laughs> fiction, absolutely, which is not what it falls under, apparently. Yeah. Horror, absolutely, which is not what it falls under, apparently. Contemporary, it, yes. Yeah. Uh, 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 post-apocalyptic, yes. Satire, yes. Which is dark actually humor. what it falls into, dark humor. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's a very original, unique book in that way. It it defies genres. Oh, and when it's her turn to first kill. Oh yeah. Too. Ugh. That's that's messy. Yeah. That's messy. And and and, and horrifying. I'm not even certain you need to kill the infected. So that was actually kind of my other thing. Is I almost feel like you don't. They're not hurting anybody. They're not hurting anybody. They're not hurting themselves. And you know, I still have this kind of feeling that Candace might really be showing signs of infection. Her whole stubbornness and insistence of being into the office shows that and then her walking off into the end and all of that it's almost like there might be a redemption to it well right that there it's might... that being infected it might not be the end of everything right again i think it's in your cognizance and like how much you realize what you're doing um because i think if you just accept it you're just like oh well this is my fate now this is what i do then yeah that is what you do but i think if you're like you have a self-awareness it's possible to not be like absorbed and overcome by it even the girl who she ends up shooting there's a moment of her of somewhat cognizance maybe just lizard brain maybe real when she's been shot and she feels pain which is you know a different kind of pain than what she has in her routine and there's a there's a cognizance in her eyes before she's killed yeah I'm not saying that shooting someone is the solution (laughs) to knock them out of it, but maybe there is a healing. Uh, Well, uh, there there might be, because I mean, if you're stuck in the loop, what happens is unfortunately you starve to death. Right. Which is like, well, that's not really a compassionate way to let somebody die, to just starve to death. But I think more than that final solution, there's the the middle part that comes when it's like, be aware of your infection. Infection and don't succumb. Well, and if you want to get really deep into this, Bob and Jonathan are very similar in a lot of respects. And yeah. and and, and wa- bear with me on this. Um, if you want to take this very symbolically, if you go through life just for routine, going to work, coming home, and then dying, intellectually, spiritually, you're starving yourself. A hundred percent. And that's basically what Jonathan feels and feels. You might as well just be dead. Yeah. If that's how you're going to live your life. And that's right. basically what and so symbolically the infected are are physically starving. I mean they, they, realistically they're physically starving themselves, but symbolically they're spiritually and, and, and intellectually uh starving themselves. And Bob thinks, well, they may as well be dead. Right. Should they? I don't think when it's exactly that. I mean, this whole book I think is about moderation. Yeah. Y- you could you could write a whole thesis on this novel. Oh yeah, and I'm sure people would and they should. Yeah, there's a lot of it's symbolism. brilliant, and you know, like we said in the before the spoiler section, sometimes it's subtle, sometimes it's more heavy-handed, but it doesn't feel preachy or judgy or like. I have it so more figured out than you do. Like, you know, Ling Ma's writing is never like that, and it's very appreciated. I agree. It's it never comes off as preachy. E- even even Bob is 
made to seem like maybe he's right. Even Jonathan, who's really kind of put through the ringer, he has some some points that are... yeah. Well, maybe he has a point there. Well, I have faith in our girl Candace that she's going to find that moderation. I have faith in her. Yeah, I don't. I think she's just going to keep walking into the sunset till no, she starts herself. She I will do. not. Yep. No. I think she's a goner. No, not Candace. Not my girl Candace. Not her. All right. Well, tell us what you guys think. Is Candace just going to become one of the mindlessly infected, or will she find a way to have self actualization? So let's give this a final wrap up here. How many fungal spores out of five? How many fungal spores? Um, Can I do mine first? Or yeah. you want to do yours first? I want to. I, I want to do mine first. Okay, give us your spores. So uh, I'm going to give this book four out of five fungal spores. I think that there is so much symbolism and so many ideas in this book that are well realized, and there's so much more room for interpretation, which I feel like is the author's intent. I thought that Candace's entire character was fascinating. I would have read this book if it started with her at the at the beginning, starting at this job, and ended when, you know, she quit. I, I liked just the mundane story of her life. And then adding in all of the stuff that happens after the end just makes it even more fascinating. It adds so much more depth to the story. I, I thought it was excellently done. Four out of five. Um, I'm also giving it four out of five Spungle for um, fungal spores? Fungal spores? Fungal spores? <laughs> Smorgasbord? Orgasbord? Fungal spores. <laughs> Shen fever. Fungal spores. Out of five. Um, I feel like this is a really captivating, wonderfully written book for our time. Um, I feel that it's just rich with symbolism, with her writing, with her storytelling, with the ambiguousness of it, with the interpretation. Um, very fascinating stuff that, like a lot of science fiction that I enjoy, where it makes you think and it makes you like try to sluss out okay, so what happened? What does this mean? Where are we going? But she doesn't give you any easy answers to it. Makes you feel very introspective about your own life as well. Um, and it's still funny. And it's still just really elegantly written. Uh, a wonderful book. I, I can't really think of a lot of things I would change about it. I think it it's really, really close to perfect just how it falls. And it's scary, and it's funny, and it's just good. Well, there you have it, guys. That's Severance. So if you have any questions, comments, concerns, look us up. I'm Sandra. I'm Scott. Please keep reading past your bedtime. 